0: Merry Christmas and welcome to the Impact Church podcast. Glad you're with us today. We're starting our Christmas series. This week we're doing Christmas in the movie, not the movies, the movie. We're going to stick with the movie Home Alone and learn some lessons from the whole Home Alone movie and how Kevin interacted with his world at that time. Listen, Christmas can be awkward, it can be hard. And Kevin had a really awkward Christmas. He got left behind, he got left alone. Initially, he thought the isolation was great and he could do his own thing, but you know isolation's not healthy, and you were created for community. Jesus is highly relational, and we're going to teach you how to make your relationships work and thrive. So come on, let's get into the word. God is good. The sermon's going to be great. <laughs> the sermon's going to be long. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, did you hear the groans? My God. I'm sensitive, did you know? Hey, we're doing, uh, for several years we talked about doing Christmas at the movies, and I, every time we would get to it, I kind of went, I, I, I can't do that. I was just I, What were you doing Christmas at the movies for? That's just, and then, you know, I finally gave in this year, and then it was too late to change my mind. So here I am. Here. But, you know, I actually uh, watched this. We're going to do uh, uh, this one here. It's uh, Home Alone. How many remember Home Alone? Number one, number one. I haven't watched it for a long time, so I actually watched it this week because I'm going to preach on it. And, you know, I have to say, how many go to the movies and it's dark in there and every once in a while, you actually shed a tear somewhere in the movie. (laughs) You know, at the end of this, when Mom got home and they hugged, and I just went, I went, (laughs) (sighs) There's something about this medium that communicates things that are pretty neat. And so I watched Home Alone and, looked at a few things, thought about a few things. I said, you know what, I think I'm going to do just just one movie. We're just going to do Home Alone Christmas. And uh, so that's what we're going to do. And we're going to break it up into these three things right here. We're going to talk about the isolation, the invasion, and the restoration. Because there was isolation. Poor Kevin, he was left alone, home alone. He wanted to be left alone, though. He was happy to be alone. Thank God my parents are gone. Woo! I can do my own thing. But the isolation wasn't good, and the isolation actually led to an invasion. There was an invasion. Isolation can lead to that, because the robbers went, he's home alone, and they went, we're in. You know, the enemy likes to do that. He likes to separate you, isolate you, and then the invasion is on. And sometimes Christmas, believe it or not, isn't a great time for everybody. Some people don't, all eyes closed, heads bowed. How many don't really look forward to Christmas? All of you here apparently love it. Oh, there's just, there's one over there. I see, see, yeah. I've had a few Christmases where I was like, oh, Christmas, oh no. And uh, a lot of people, there's a a lot of sadness, a lot of grief even at Christmas time, even though most people should be happy and celebrate. Sometimes you got to face things, confront things, family issues, other difficulties, stuff. Or this might be the first year that you're going to go through Christmas alone and you've lost a loved one, or God forbid, you've lost a child. And it's the first year you're going to experience something very, very different. And when everybody else is saying, Merry Christmas, you're like, yeah. So sometimes there's that invasion. But you know what? Then there's always restoration, so we're going to look at that. So I want to show you a couple pictures first. Look at this one. Now this is Kevin looking at uh, uh, the old, the neighbor Marley, who his brother uh, told him was a creep and and all that, but he really was, and he was a very nice man. But this was a picture from under the glass. There was also a picture above the glass. And there's a picture of Mr. Marley put his hand on the counter. When he put his hand on the counter, Kevin is looking at a hand that is pierced through. There's a wound that is pierced right through. There's blood on the top and there's blood on the bottom. Hand is pierced through. Let me show you another picture. There they are in church. Kevin tried Santa Claus, but that didn't help. Why doesn't Santa Claus help? Because everybody knows Santa, when you rearrange the letters, it's Satan. Hey, the red suit, come on. it's not. But Kevin decides to go to church. He hears the carols, he goes, he sits in church, and there's, there's his neighbor, Mr. Marley, comes over and talks with him, and they spend some time dialoguing about things ain't so great right now. Even Mr. Marley says, I'm estranged from my son right now. I'd like there to be restoration. Let me show you another picture. Here you go. There's, there's where they shake hands there, and he's got a Band-Aid over his hand. And let me show you another picture. It's kind of blurry, kind of messy, but I thought when Kevin was praying, what's interesting is you have cherubim on either side. And they have this picture of him, cherubim on either side. Where else are there cherubim on either side? And you're in between. The mercy seat. Kevin came to the mercy seat. He said, God restore my family. I don't know, I just started to see some interesting things here. Who knew that Home Alone was all about Jesus Christ giving his life for you, that you might be reconciled and restored to your father anyways just another one give me a boom hey praise jesus so you know that's the guy with the nail scarred hands he's gonna come and he's gonna beat the devil up for you right hey he will come and he's gonna crush the enemy under your feet once and for all that diabolical attack the one who's coming to steal rob kill and destroy jesus has conquered him once and for all so there's mr marley giving the shovel to the boys boom bang and here's the last one That's the last scene of the movie. Kevin goes, looks out the window, and there's Mr. Marley, now with his hand with a scar in the middle. And that's that hand lifted up, and he waves at Kevin, Kevin through the window. And what Marley has is his family has come, his family is restored. The prodigal son has come home. Interesting, I just thought I'd throw that at you. So now would you please get out there and watch that movie, if you got Disney Plus, which I'm sure most of you don't, because who watches Disney anymore? But if you do have Disney+, Plus, you can watch it free on there or download. But I want you to watch the movie because we are going to talk about it through the next three weeks, and and there you go, all right? So we want to look at Matthew 1, 18 and 19. You ready? Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Wow. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example of her, he was minded to put her away secretly. So here's what happens. you got a teenage girl who is pregnant, and she says, she says, it's not as you would think, I am pregnant, but it's God. It's the Holy Spirit who has impregnated me with his own son. It is an amen. We look back at it. We say amen. But trust me, when she announced it and told her parents and told Joseph and told everybody for the first time, it was not a Merry Christmas. Joseph was like, my God. See, because when they're betrothed, it's like you're married. That You're there because he said, I was going to divorce her and put her away quietly. He said, because she's lost it. I mean, I don't know whose baby it is. She says it's the Holy Ghost, but oh my goodness. And he was going to put, he was a just man, and he was going to put her away quietly and not embarrass her in their culture, under their law. I mean, she should have been stoned. But Joseph, he said, I'm going to put her away quietly. And then all of a sudden, he has a visitation of an angel, and the angel says, don't be afraid to take her as your wife because the child that she carries, you are a son of David, Joseph, and the child that she carries is the son of David, and he is going to save the world from their sins. So Joseph and Mary got married. But all through their lives, believe me, there were the neighbors who were saying, "There's, there's that bastard boy. Did I say that in church? I mean, Jesus, that's why I said, Jesus? I mean, Jesus, he's the Messiah? Are you kidding me? That's why in his own hometown he could do not very many miracles because this isn't this the, the carpenter's son? Like, you remember that story a few years back? And you see, it was a difficult thing. So this was a very tough season for them, a very difficult Christmas for them. And then we know when they went to Bethlehem, I mean, they couldn't even get a hotel room. I mean, you think if Almighty God was going to give you his child to bring into the earth, he could have reserved a room at the inn. It just seemed like trouble all the way through. I mean, you'd think that there would be some advantages to carrying the anointed one. You'd think that things would have gone better for this young couple. You'd think that, you know, there would have been favors and blessings. There really was, though, because you remember the three wise men? Because the three wise men showed up, and trust me, when three kings travel, they're not carrying little parcels and going, hey, here's a little box for you. You know, the whole town of Jerusalem was disturbed when those three showed up. You know why they were disturbed? They were disturbed because three armies showed up with treasures outside the door looking for the newborn king. And the whole city was like, are we under attack? Like if it were London, all of London would have known that there are three kings who surrounded the city with their caravans. Tractor, trailer, loads of stuff, and they're looking for the newborn king. You know, he was incredibly provided for. And they had to flee and get away to Egypt because Herod wanted to kill all the babies. So it was pretty tough. Christmases aren't always fantastic. Here's a little picture. Look at this picture right here. Boom, that's me. I was a little younger then. My goatee was actually not gray. But anyways, now that's Mark Brzee. Mark Brzee's from Broken Arrow in, uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Mark Brzee pastors down there. And he traveled to come and minister for us, and he came in his own jet. And I thought that was pretty cool. I said, man, that's amazing. So they told me, just pull your car onto the tarmac, go to the jet, and take the luggage out. And i like, I got his luggage right out of the jet, put it in my trunk, and I went, now that's how you travel right there. I was like, Lord Jesus, I'm coveting this fellow's jet. Because I fly to India and it's like door to door, it's like 60 hours of pain. But I took a picture of that and sent it to my mom and I said, look how Mark Brzee showed up to come and preach for us. That was pretty cool. The funny thing was, is he said, I'm going to get on the jet when I go home, Carl. I've already cleared customs. The jet's going to take off. I probably will be home before you are. I said, man, that's the way to do it, Right. Anyway, it was Christmas time, and my mom printed off that picture and brought it upstairs at Christmas time when all our family was there. And she printed off and said, Look how your brother's friend traveled to the service to come and speak for him. She handed it out, and all hell broke loose. That's immoral. That is wrong. That man has stolen all kinds of little old ladies' money. What a disgusting human being. Who does that? And then I got a little defensive. And I said, dude, it's a timeshare jet. He just uses it once in a while. And when he travels with this team of people, he can actually travel cheaper with that group because he does several places at once. And he can actually travel cheaper on that timeshare jet than he could taking them all commercial. So I reckon he's a better steward of the money than you think he is. But you just looked at that and said he's an evil man. Well, you're an evil man. Well, you're an evil man. Well, you know what? You've always blah, blah, blah. Christmas was not a very good time. And sadly, it was probably three years before we had a group Christmas together because it was ugly. It was painful. Let's close and pray. (laughs) Has anybody ever had a painful Christmas? You ever had an awkward time? Hey, well, that was tough. You know, we've had a few awkward ones. I remember that time when one of my brother's girlfriends gave him a puppy dog for Christmas. And then he comes home and says, hey, look, my girlfriend gave me a puppy dog. My dad's like, I don't want a puppy dog in this house. That was not a good Christmas either. Anyways. (laughs) Let me give you another picture of this fellow here. This fellow. This is Christopher Thomas Knight, the North Pond Hermit. Now, sometimes because we go through difficult times, and you see, at Christmas with Kevin, if you watch the movie, Kevin was despised by everybody. Finally, his mother said, you go up there. We don't want to see you for the rest of the night. He's like, I don't want to see you ever again. And he was hoping that his family said, I want my family to disappear. You know, sometimes you go through hardship, you go through difficulties, you're like, I want my family to disappear, I want everybody gone, I, I don't. I want to do my own thing, and that's what Kevin hoped for. Well, this fellow is Christopher Thomas Knight, he was known as the North Pond Hermit, the North Pond Hermit. Now, he, he had lived in there for, I think he went up in there back in the 60s, and he was captured in 2013. And he had robbed about 40 homes a year up in that area in the woods. He pulled his car up to the woods, and he just disappeared in the woods. And nobody had seen him. In all of those years, only once did he see somebody. He says, the only word I uttered to any person in all those years, I saw a hiker go by once, and I said, hi. That was it. That's all he had. That was Christopher Thomas Knight, the North hermit. He decided, I can't take it anymore. He drove to the woods, and he disappeared. Now, here's what Christopher Knight said when he was interviewed. He said, I became very introspective. Without others, I found no need to define myself. I became irrelevant. In fact, when he went off into the woods, he didn't find himself. He actually lost himself. And you see, if you don't treasure community, If you decide that I'm gonna take things in my own hand and you go into isolation, you're not gonna find yourself. In fact, you're more likely, like the hermit, to lose yourself. And Kevin, he had some good time for a while and he was having fun. He thought he could do his own thing, eat his own stuff, do his own thing. He thought it was great, but after a while, it was not so great. Mother Teresa, say Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa said this. She said, loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world i have come more and more to realize that it is being unwanted that being unwanted that is the worst disease that any human being can ever experience can you imagine being unwanted there's people at christmas that when you should feel wanted you should feel loved you should feel community sometimes they start to feel not that they've isolated themselves because kevin was left behind he didn't actually choose to do that to himself They forgot he was up there and they counted the neighbor's son instead of him and Kevin got left behind and so Kevin was isolated. For the first bit he thought, hey, my dream came true, but it really wasn't so good. Being alone and being lonely is the leprosy of the modern world. Dr. Dean Ornish, and Dr. Dean Ornish is, uh, he runs a, a medical group called the Ornish Lifestyle Medicine. He said, love and intimacy, our ability to connect with ourselves and with others is at the root of what makes us sick and what makes us well. And if you study and, and you go look now and you can get so many different medical journals and periodicals, and you'll find that so many things talk about your relationships have so much to do. Do with whether you are sick or whether you are well. And you know, when, at Christmas time, I mean, when your relationships are broken and hurting, you see, there's a, a, an ache in your gut. There's a brokenness in you that doesn't just, it's not neutral. It literally affects you in a cellular level. And you see, your relationships and how they're going do affect you. He said, people who feel lonely and isolated have a 300 to 500% greater risk of premature death due to physical illness. Can I get an amen? That's what's so powerful about community. That's what's so powerful about this community. That's what's so beautiful about having Judson and Mari come up and, and bring their child. Like, they don't have to do that. Like, but, but they wanted to identify that this is a gift of God. And in our community, in the covenant community where God has placed us, we want to announce that that we're together in this, and we're thanking God publicly for this beautiful child, and we're declaring we're going to do this in community. Can I get an amen just because just I need one? All right, so all my needs are men in Christ, amen. <laughs> all right, impact people. Impact people are committed to living in authentic community. This church, we want to be authentic. What I love about this church is that I can be myself, that I don't have to perform. I don't have to, you know, be somebody. Sometimes I say I should, I should stop being so goofy. Like I said Happy Meal during communion. Like who does that? Like, people probably got offended. I, I said, happy Mildred, But what I love about this community is, you know what? We want you. Don't be a performer. Be yourself. Be real. Be the authentic you. You are okay. It's okay to be you. You know? And that's actually one of the responses we get most often when we talk to people and ask them, you know, they've been here. What's, why have you been here? Why have you been still here? What? One of the things they say is I love that it's so stinking authentic. I threw stinking in just because my wife's not here. But... It's authentic, it's authentic. You cannot fulfill the purpose of God outside community. You cannot. You cannot fulfill the purpose of God outside community. You can know God. You can get to heaven. You can do all of that without community, and that's great, but don't you want to manifest all that God has for you? To manifest all that God has for you demands community. Jesus is highly relational, and the body of Christ is meant to be highly relational. He calls it the body. I mean, the body is connected. It is joined. It is fit together. I mean, it's not a bunch of members all over the place. It's the body of Christ. It's the church. It's God. It's the family of God. It's highly relational, this community, and you need to know exactly what God's called you to do. All right, I'm going to give you a few points. You ready? The first point has four sub points, so it's only a four-point sermon, but the first point has four sub points, so it might have been an eight-point sermon, but that would be altogether too much, so the first point has a few sub points. Number one, you ready? Number one, isolation was never God's plan. Isolation was never God's plan. God said it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good, God said it's not good for man to be alone. So boom, right there we know it's it's God's will that you be in relationship and in community. And you need to be in community. You need to be with people, even people that annoy you. Especially people, it says, it says get someone who will wound you. It says the wounds of a friend, I mean it's they're blessed. You know, and if you want to, I want to be in a silo where everybody thinks just like I do. That's not a safe place to be in. You want to be in a place where people think different, approach things different, annoy you, even bother you. Blessed are you. I mean, it's, it's good when there are wounds of a friend. And if you have friends that never wound you, but they always go, oh, everything's going to be okay. You know, sometimes you've got to have somebody who'll stand up and say, that was weird. Okay, very good. And since, listen, Hebrews chapter 10, 21 to 25, I'm gonna read that, all right? Now these are, I want the red letters, we're gonna try something. When you see the red letters, I want you to read that with me. When you see the red letters, you're gonna, you're gonna read that with me. Now these are the salad bar scriptures because there's a lot of lettuce, all right? So it's the... Just trying to be authentic. (laughs) Read it with me, you ready? And since we have a great high priest who rules over the house of God, let us. Wow! That went way beyond my expectations. That was so good. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood and make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with the pure water. You ready? Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and of good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. As some people are already in the habit of doing. Oh my goodness. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let us. Let us. It's amazing. It doesn't say let you. It doesn't say you should, but it says let us. How many know that let us actually is plural? It means we're doing this together. So what it means is the connecting is mandatory. Connecting is mandatory. So number one, together we approach. Let us go right into the presence of God. Revelation 5, 9, the, your blood has transformed people from God, from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. God is bringing family from all. And what I love about this community, I, I wandered into the young adults thing on, on a Friday night. We had like 34 people there. But what I love is it was like all the nations were manifest and represented there. I love that this church is a multicultural church. Don't you? I mean, I got my amen. I love it about that. I mean, I got my friend Z over here, and Z sat with me and chatted me up about all kinds of things, and his his wife had to stay home and write a paper. It was just awful. But I'm talking to Z, and he's so glad that God's plugged. You know, he he came to London, and he planned where he wanted to be, and one of the first things they did is, where are we going to go to church? He says he's so glad that God has planted in him a church that is is multicultural and where where we're doing things together, where all the nations are represented. And you know, Z, how, how many family members do you have in Canada? You don't have any, do you? You got us, you got me. And then Rennie, Rennie's working right now doing the live stream. I mean, Rennie is like one of my favorite people ever. How many family members does Rennie have here in Canada? Us. What a beautiful, beautiful kid. I say kid, but I'm, I'm nuts about Ramy. I think Ramey Rene, he likes this church more than I do. It's just every time I turn around, he's helping, he's doing, he's moving, he's involved, he's volunteering on 25 different things. I'm just like, my God. You know, but he, he's, he, he understands community and yet such his intimate community are so, so far away. And yet he's found community here in Toronto, a place where he can be, where he can be affirmed, where he can be, Oh, sorry, are we in London? (laughs) Appreciate that. Was that Rennie speaking on the loudspeaker there? Thank you very much. (laughs) Next thing is, together we stand. Verse verse 23 says, let us hold tightly without wavering the hope we affirm. Holding on is a group activity. Holding on is, it doesn't say let me. It says, but let us, let us hold tightly tightly. And there's times that you need somebody else with you to hold tightly. There's times when you're saying, I'm believing for this. And and then somebody comes alongside and says, yeah, me too. Amen. And it's great when you can hold on to promises with people. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, Robin and John and John's situation. John showed up at church and says, anoint me with oil. Pastor, they're saying this tumor is coming. When you're going to stand on the promise of God, it sounds really good when you can connect with a community that says, let us, let us, John, Robin, let us hold on firmly to the promise that you are healed in the name of Jesus. And it's meaningful when you've got a community that's standing with you and saying, we agree with you. We're not going to relax our grip on this. We're going to be faithful until the promise is fully manifest. In your life, let us hold on together to the promises of God. The other thing is, let us think of ways to motivate each us let's, let's do it together. I mean, do things together. Hey, could you join me in this? Could could you help me with this? Could you, you know, I, if you're going through a trial, let me tell you, this worked for me. Let's, let's do life together. Let's share our experiences together. I mean, let us act together. Let us think of ways to motivate, to assist and to help each other. Because it's not, it's a group activity. There's 59 one another commandments in the New Testament, and 21 of them involve love John 13 34 a new commandment I give to you that you would love one another as I have loved you so you would love one another you can't do the one another's if you're not connected to one another you can't do the one another's if you're isolating yourself you gotta be it is mandatory that we have connections the last one in the let us in the salad bar text is let us not neglect our meeting together and I know some of you are watching online and that's awesome but how many know, I watched online for a while, but there's nothing like worshiping together in the house. There's nothing like that corporate anointing. And I know sometimes it's good, and I know people approach things differently. I'm so glad that we get, because there's a lot of people joining us from other nations and other places all around the world who send us notes and are so grateful that we're doing this. But you know, there's something special, because you know, social media is not a real human interaction. It's edited. Like, if you go look at all of my posts, I never post the day that my wife yelled at me for not taking out the trash. Although I want you to know this week, I saw her going to take out the trash, and I put on a pair of shoes, and I went out, and we did it together. She wasn't as moved by it as I was, but I thought it was a pretty cool experience. And I was like, you are an awesome husband. So I I have a pretty low scale for what awesome is but anyway it works for me all right you know our social they're edited you're gonna see everybody's highlights right everybody puts it look at all the trips they're on look i mean stefan sent me all kinds of pictures i experienced the world cup last week through stefan did anybody else i mean that was really really awesome was fun you know he sent me a text after he said pastor I'm so glad that God touched my life. I'm so glad that I'm in this community, and I'm so glad that, that I'm in a community where everything has changed for me. I mean, before, when I was a drug pusher, he really was, selling drugs, the furthest away I'd been is Niagara Falls. But I've come to Jesus, and I've been with you to India. I've been with you to Dubai. I've been with you to Jamaica. I've been with you to He says, and now here I am. I'm in Qatar. I'm enjoying the World Cup. He says, I would have never, ever imagined that I've been able to do these things I did. But when he stands here and testifies to you and says, you can trust God. In a time of famine, you can sow a hunt. You can sow. In a time where the soil looks like it's not going to manifest for you, you can sow, and you're going to see a miracle in your finances. His life's totally changed because he embraced community. Embraced community. Community, community, community. All right. Number two. Number two. So that was point number one. Isolation is not a part of the plan. Number two. Isolation is rooted in selfishness. I did a little word search just on isolation in the New King James Version. And Proverbs 18.1 said, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. See, isolation is where you pull back and you say, I'm going to take it in my own hands, I'm going to do it myself. And you just rage against all wise judgment. So there was Kevin. Kevin was like, man, I'm so happy. I can do my thing. And he just did whatever he desired. He says, isn't this great? He took his dad's, remember he took his dad's cologne and he slapped it on his face and went, ah! Because <laughs> if it's, Joey remembers that. Anyway, so uh, number three, this is going really fast. Now, number three, isolation fosters deception. Because here's what he did. Kevin, Kevin then went to get some groceries and he's there getting everything and he puts it all on the table. And then what, what's the lady say? The lady says, where's your mom? Uh, home. Where's your dad? He's at work. She, he's got a bunch of siblings. Where's your siblings? I'm an only child. Where do you live? I don't talk to strangers. You know, when, you, when you're isolated, suddenly you will develop a narrative that this, this is okay, this works for me. And sadly, people do that. And sadly, half of the Christians today do not attend church. That breaks my heart. I talk to a lot of them, they say, You don't know what happened to me, though. The church hurt me. You know what? The church hurt me. And you know what? Sometimes, thank God, it did. You know, if you're afraid of wounded love, you're afraid of covenant love. You don't even understand agape. Because agape is where you will give, and you will give again. And even if there's harm, even if there's hurt, that doesn't determine your love for another person because you love other people, not because of their performance for you. You love other people of an act of your own will. I love you no matter what. I mean, you don't know what love is if you flee every time you get disappointed. So has anybody here been hurt by church? Yeah. Has anybody here been hurt by another human being? If you haven't yet, my God, you live a special life. It's a risk. It's a risk. And here's Genesis 3 8 it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking through the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid. They hid. They hid. God who was their source, God who was their blessing. I mean, they they developed a whole different narrative. God hadn't changed his mind about them. Even though they blew it, he still loved them. He hadn't changed a single thing about them. He still wanted to hang out with them. He knew everything that went on. And he's going, hey, we need to spend time together. But they had changed the whole narrative. And they thought, he's mad at us. We've sinned. He, and the, people who who isolate and pull away, they develop narratives that are destructive to their own purpose and God's work in their lives. Are you guys Okay. All right. Isolation, number four. But here's, here's the good news. Ready? Number four, isolation is resolved in Jesus. Isolation is resolved in Jesus. You know, all my needs are met in Christ. Every single one of them. So, you know, I trust him to take care of everything for me. And because I am so richly provided for in every single way and everything that I am and all that I have, you can freely give to people and you don't have agendas. You just you got to live free. You got to live totally free and you got to trust him in every circumstance and in every situation. You know, Kevin, his family, his uncle was there and said, you're a jerk. His brother, you know, what I do want to know is I never got resolved is what happened to the tarantula because I, I never did see in the end where the tarantula was. I was a little freaked out going to bed last night, wondered where the tarantula was. But, uh, but you know, in Christ, everything gets resolved. The beautiful thing is in Jesus, you know, no matter what's happening, no matter who's harmed you or hurt you or what's going on, when you experience the love of God, you are totally set free. You're totally ministered to. For as in Adam, all die even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. And there was Kevin sitting there between the cherubim, praying and speaking to God, and his life was being put together. He didn't know, but his mom was in the back of a truck with a polka band trying to get to him. And you know what? All heaven and earth is at work in your circumstances. Even though something's happened that's caused you to be separated, divided, everything, all of heaven, all of God's purpose is active right now to bring you into restoration. In Christ, everything has been reconciled, and in Christ, all has been restored. Can I get an amen? For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. In Adam, everybody got broken. Everything got broken and handed down to everybody, and we're all messed up. And in our heads, it says, in your minds, you thought you were enemies of God, but you never were. I mean, God loves you. He's nuts about you. But in Christ, all shall be made alive. Romans 5.10 says, for when we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? See, the finished work of the cross obliterated every obstacle to you being in a relationship with God. But here's the good news. You're now in a relationship with God. And you are being saved. You're continuously being saved. You're continuously restored and blessed in every single way because He gave you life. What He came to give you was life. Not just reconciliation, but He's come to give you life. He is the very life of you in every single aspect of your being. can I get an amen? Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And you see that with Kevin. Kevin was like, man, I just want my parents back. I'm so sorry, Mom. And Mama, she's so sorry. And then I gulped. And I went, it's a great story. I gulped and almost, almost shed a tear. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must, you must forgive others. A couple little thoughts just quickly. Because we're committed to authentic community, everybody is welcome. Everybody is welcome, and your background doesn't matter to me. I really don't care. Everyone is welcome. Number two, nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. Bring your Bible and your problems. Sadly, some people have problems, and they stay away from the house of God. I got a problem. Some people think, people out there don't do church think that problems keep them from church. And if I come, you know, I can't come because i got problems. Let me clean myself up and then I'll come to church. No, come as you are. Come as you are because nobody's perfect. Bring your Bible and your problems. And number three is anything is possible. What I love about Simon is Simon was was a broken-down fisherman outside of the circle of, of the community, the religious community of the day, and yet Jesus found him, and Jesus said, you are no longer Simon, but you are Peter, and on this rock I shall build my church. In community, there's an absolute transformation, and in community, your life can be absolutely beautifully transformed, and everything that God's caused you to be can come into expression. Can I tell you one more thing? If you put one pair of underwear in the washing machine, it will get clean. Write that down. <laughs> if you put 10 pairs in at the same time, they will get cleaner. Write that down. When you get tumbled around and you get to bounce off each other and you get experienced experience life together, things get worked out better. The rough edges and the things like that, it's the best way for those things to get resolved and you can come into reality of who you are and be everything God's called you to be because community really is a big deal. It's a big deal.